Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, cookies are on their way. They're on their Yay! way to your home. <laughs> I'm excited. They will be Not there. There hasn't been a, like a dearth of cookies here on Monday. Yes, I was enjoying the pictures I was seeing. Um, they, they looked very delicious. So, how was your gingerbread man? Uh, they came out okay. The flavor really mellowed out a lot in the oven, so mm-hmm. they weren't like as gingery as I, my person and I both like them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cookies were entirely for a uh, party that my person was throwing at her place of employment, mm-hmm. so they were being used for decoration and that kind of a thing at a big party. So, so it was acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, no, they were acceptable. Um, she retweeted, uh, she shared a picture of things that were, I were deemed inappropriate for decorating because the shapes were wrong or they were burnt a little much. <laughs> so I got the cast offs and I just went, Oh, I see how this is. I oh. see how this is. It's just where you go, delicious, delicious cast offs. I think yeah. that one's messed up too. You really messed that one up, didn't you? It's going to have to oh. go on my belly now. I wouldn't do that to her. I would not <laughs> undermine her cooking confidence that way. <laughs> You're nicer than I am. That's okay. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it is known. Um, speaking of, thank you for your lovely Christmas card or holiday You're card. You're welcome. I've got, Noel, of course, everyone, Noel is on top of all of these things. I don't think I'll ever get around to sending Christmas cards or holiday, like the photos and everything. Uh, but they're lovely to receive. We also received a holiday card or notice from one of our listeners, Carl. Carl, thank you very much. Looks like the fam had another great year. Way to go. Good times. Uh, less good times. See that awesome transition there that I just did, Noel? It was super good. It was super, it was super good. good. Really subtle. Uh, is the news out of uh, CBS t- today or this week about uh, Eliza Dushku being uh, granted a $9.5 million uh, settlement after being fired from Bull when she uh, complained about being sexually harassed by the star. So that's fun. Uh yeah. yeah. Who who how is this leaking? So, um a lot of this is from the reports uh that CBS launched as their internal investigations after the Les Moonves stuff. So this is part of that process of internal investigation that is being conducted through CBS. This is entire corporate culture. And so it's it got circulated from that investigation. The Times has a really extensive sort of uh, report on it regarding the fact that while she was on set, Dushku was um, unhappy with comments made by Michael Rutherly, who's the star of Bull, um, that basically ran from a comment on her appearance to a rape joke to a threesome joke. And her confronting him about it and the producers and then her getting written off the show shortly thereafter. Um, this is after the investigation discovered a considerable paper trail about the fact that everyone on the show was prepared to promote her to a series regular, which is why the settlement was $9.5 million, is because the settlement was based on this is how much money she would have gotten had she been basically promoted. And... Yeah. 
she was not promoted because she confronted the producers and Weatherly about his language. And so that's why, A, the amount is so high, and B, why it came out, is the the fact that the investigation unearthed all this stuff. Yeah, see, this is this is good. I'm glad that this is all coming out, because that's a bunch of bullshit. And uh, good on her getting her money, because obviously she deserves it. Yeah, and uh, Dushku's been a voice in the Me Too stuff. She talked about a stunt coordinator molesting her when she was uh, 12, on, I think on True Lies. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is this is very much sort of within the wheelhouse of like stuff that she does not have tolerance for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good that she uh, is. Uh, yeah. It, it's just so such a frustrating thing. You know, it's just uh, that there's all of this just new level of shit that still needs to get aired out. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, the work is just beginning over at CBS now that Moonves is out of there. And, um, yeah, what a lovely culture. What a lovely yeah. culture at that at that company. Um, there will be more from, from, the, from this investigation, I'm sure. There will be more stories that we will hear in the, the coming weeks. We will be, this is our last regular episode of the year. We're heading into the listening, everyone, where we do our, next week we'll have our top 20 series of the year. And the, the next week after that, we'll have the smorgasbord with all the best ofs. Um, but when we get come back in the new year, we will, I'm sure, have an update on so many things. Uh, not not the least of which is the Steven Universe that we don't get to talk about because it's airing nope. on our off weeks, which makes me sad. Um, but also any developments in this in these kinds of stories. And uh, yeah, just just like I hope she just like dances in that money. I hope she just like screws my ducks. You know. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. Uh, this week, we are spotlighting the Elseworlds crossover with Flash, uh, Arrow, and Supergirl. That's going to be coming at the end of the show. We were going to do a Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I didn't have time. And I th- did not anticipate Noel had the time, but he did. So he's going to talk about that um, <laughs> in our week at TV. Uh, I will catch up with that when I have uh, hopefully a little bit of downtime here after we we all survive the holidays. Uh, but but I was looking forward to, you know, especially after that first episode of Elseworlds, I was really diving in with it. So that'll be our spotlight segment at the end of the show. Very excited for that. And now, even though we won't be talking about it, you know we weren't going to miss the opportunity to to listen to a little Where Have All the Cowboys Gone is featured on Fresh Off the Boat. So we'll listen to a little music and come back with our Week in TV right after this. That was indeed where have all the cowboys gone? Uh, when I saw that 
fresh off the boat was where have all the cattlemen gone? I was just like, oh, they, they're going to have to, right? And then they did, and it was. Lovely. And then they did really, really gorgeously. Yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good thing. Um, so this week in TV, Noel's going to kick things off with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, season two. Then we'll both talk a little crazy ex-girlfriend last week's episode as well as this week's episode. I'm not the person I used to be. Then we'll move over to Top Chef. They had their premiere last week, and this week it was Bourbon Barrels and Burgoo. Then the Doctor Who finale, the Battle of Ranscore of Col- Colos. Colos? Colos. Uh, then I'll talk briefly about the Black Lightning midseason f- uh, finale, the Book of Rebellion, Chapter 2, Gift of the Magi. And we'll round things out. Oh, it's so fun. Legends <sighs> of Tomorrow's midseason finale, Legends of To Meow Meow. It just makes me so yeah. happy. Meow. To Meow Meow. I, I can't even, but it just, it's just, it, yeah. Or it's- also known as. Custodians of the chronology, mm-hmm. sirens of space, space time, time yeah. and puppets of tomorrow. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good. We'll get there. Um, first up, though, I want to hear about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel because I was hearing a lot of like sophomore slump kind of conversation. Um, but you watched all of this, so clearly it can't have been that bad. Uh, you know, must not have you know slumped that 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 much. What did you think of this season? And do I need to get off my butt and go watch it? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the reason I burned through it so quickly is that my person was also really, really enjoying it. Um, whereas I was like a little hesitant at the beginning and then a little hesitant in the middle and then very hesitant by the end when Ermy <laughs> Sham- Ermy Sherman, um, Pallad- Amy Sherman Palladino. Palladino. Thank you. Jeez. Her name was just not working in my mouth. <laughs> um, decided to, you know, ASP um the end and you're just like i won't say any more about that but it's just deeply frustrating um so i think the season's fine um i think that it suffers a lot from the fact that understandably they don't want the secret to be a secret for too long Mm -hmm. in this season so they do a lot of stuff to get us to the point where uh, Midge's career is not a secret anymore. And part of that is going off for basically a three-episode chunk in the middle. Um, going off to the Catskills to the Steiner Resort, which is basically where all the rich Jews, Jewish people go to um, hang, beat out the summer instead of sw- sweating in the city. So it's sort of a... Um, comedy um, trope of, all right, well... We, we've escaped from the city or from urban living and we're back into nature. So very much in sort of the Stanley Cavill sort of idea of comedy remarriage, but also like this concept of the truth will out basically in nature because you can't, you can't hide. Your true self gets exposed somewhere, somehow. And a lot of that gets circulated through this because the Paladinos are very steeped in this kind of, uh, steeped in this kind of a thing and so the degrees to which the secret comes out and how the secrets come out are all okay i think um but i do think that there's just it's a weird sort of holding pattern for the show because it's very dedicated to dealing with the fallout of not dedicated to the fallout but dedicated to trying to set up someone finding out about midge and so that really sort of slows down a lot of narrative momentum. 
Um, and so that makes it a little bit of a slog sometimes to get through. Uh, there are fewer, uh, comedy acts, um, throughout the season, it feels like, than there were last season. Uh, aside from one where, um, that I think is probably the strongest of the, strongest of the season when Midge does a telethon. Um, but I think that there's just, there's something dramatically inert about this season because of how they want it to end and ha- what they want to do in it. Even the premiere kind of suffers from this where uh, Midge's mom goes off to Paris because she's deeply unhappy with her life. And it's all supposed to mirror what Midge did because she's unhappy with her life. And instead of taking up stand-up comedy, she ran off to Paris. And there's some heavy parallelism in that happens that feels A, really, really cappy, and B, really heavy-handed. So on a just sort of a general plot level, it's not particularly successful, I think. Um, But there's still an energy from the performances that really propels you in a lot of ways. Um, particularly this season's really gives Tony Shalhoub a lot to do. Like he has most of the really meaty, arguably like the meaty B plot stuff. The show keeps thinking that Joel's the B plot, but Joel who (laughs) is still around for some reason is the C plot. Nobody cares Um, about Joel. The only people who care about Joel are the writers. And Mm. (laughs) I have some terrible news for everyone who really doesn't care about Joel. And um, so I think that there's good stuff here for a number of folks. But just generally, because of what they want to achieve this season, there's not a lot of dramatic oomph or narrative um, momentum here. Um, since it's very transitiony to what it wants to its finality to be. It's basically like they came up with the two with the three big things in the finale and wrote backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this feels like. And so there's like I said, there's still good performances. It's just not as dramatically compelling, I think, as the first season was. Um, and so that that made it sort of a frustrating experience. Um, the last thing I'll say is that Midge's habit of basically taking over any space she is gets really obnoxious this season. And thankfully, the show is sort of aware of it and calls her out a couple of times on it. But she also keeps doing it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it was a little obnoxious in the first season. Uh, so, yeah. It gets real rough in season two. So <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's move on then to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm not going to make any immediate time for Maisel, but maybe, I, maybe you know, when things slow down, maybe that'll creep back in. I certainly would make time for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend if it hadn't gone on its, like, winter hiatus. Because uh, I really liked this episode. I'm not the person I used to be. And the episode before as well. Uh, I, I still... I'm not completely sold on on new Greg. I I am in the episode and in the show. Uh, I just kind of would rather that they had been able to just get Santino Fontana or that he wanted to do the show because <laughs> uh, I would rather be watching that. But I, you know, that's nothing negative on the new guy, uh, new Greg, uh, the actor whose name escapes me. Um, I want to say Skyler or something. Yeah, it's something like that. I'll look it up while you're talking. Thanks. Uh, but but I thought that the, the you know, having there be a high school reunion was a great way to bring him back. I liked the subplot, as ridiculous as it was, with Valencia and Father Bra. I liked uh, all of the shout-outs to staying through the rest of the series of holidays. So, of course, ending at 
you know, Valentine's Day. I thought that was cute. And they did it enough times that uh, that I was able to get on board with it. Uh, and yeah, it just it was a fun it was a fun episode. Yeah, I liked it. What did you think? Yeah, I think that part of I I also really enjoyed this episode. Um, I think that Skylar Austin acquits himself well as new Greg. Uh, but it's also like the general conceit of I'm a new person is a, a little difficult because it's still the same Rebecca, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is a, which is a little weird um, to sort of like navigate um, narratively. So I appreciate the idea that everyone comments that he looks that he that Rebecca thinks he looks a little different. Um so I think that there's good stuff there. And generally, I think that the overall sort of the writing for those scenes in particular, I think is really strong. Um, Hello, I've I've just met you or whatever the name of the song is, um, I think is fine. But I think generally the energy between the two of them, uh, uh, Bloom and Austin, really, really sells the situation for me much more than the song does. And that goes a long way to sort of like my experiences of sort of re-meeting people like that in those kinds of situations and going, oh, yeah, we're different now. This is I'm meeting you for the first time sort of thing. I think that's really compelling. I think they capture it really well, even without a song. Um, So the high school reunion was fine. I liked that Josh's whole thing was, no, he's going to deliver the King's actual speech from the King's speech (laughs) film. And it's just like, this is so delightful and weird. And I don't even know why he's doing this. But it's so good. I don't care. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, generally, I think it's really good. And the whole kind of meta fourth wall breaking of we're going to go through all the holidays, even though we're I think the season finale is in April. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think is generally it should be really interesting and really good. So I like that idea. And yeah, so I'm I'm sort of on the upswing with the show a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also really enjoyed what you missed while you were popular, and mm-hmm. it, that's that presentation. That song was great. Yeah, of of what it is to to be a uh, not popular kid, and it because usually it does get painted as a sort of a sad thing or like an outcast thing, and this really painted as like, no, you missed out because yeah. like basically we were all getting laid um which is uh one way to go with it but i thought that that was uh but also i mean not inaccurate not inaccurate <laughs> to several of these niche groups within yeah. the high school sphere uh and we're black <laughs> and we're black. Yeah, it was fun. It was, in, in, anytime George gets a song, I, you know I'm going to be happy. So yeah. that was fun, too. Um, I also, uh, you know, we talked about it last week, but the episode, the previous episode, um, I really like the journey they take Josh on um, over the course of, of these you know, few episodes. I like that they're get, finding a way that makes sense to give him more time. Having him move in with Rebecca doesn't make sense, but we'll no. go with it because... Yeah. You know, he's so charming and we want him to be on the show. So we'll go with yeah. it. Just like we'll go with Valencia being there, even though she lives in New York. You know, don't, don't pay attention to it. Just go with it because we want to hang out with this actor some more. Um, That was all great. And I also even just liked the way that they sidelined Donna and then had her get uh, uh, all of her. You know, yeah, all, there was, it, was, it, was, it was a good reaction at the end where she's reading through all the text. I mean, haven't we all been that person who, yes. where you're going through? She's like, no, you, you can't. Oh, but you have to. 
<laughs> Kamala Harris is also a very, very good bunny. <laughs> that is a very good bunny. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Crazy's Girlfriend? Are you hopeful for the uh, you know what it looks like the next ch- chunk of the show is shaping up to be? I'm a little leery that they're ending on Valentine's Day. I mean, I'm not leery about it because I agree with the show that it just makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to see how they conceptualize what Valentine's Day looks like now mm-hmm. within this framework of Rebecca sort of on a road to a healthier mentality and lifestyle and what that means for her. So I'm actually I'm actually sort of excited about that idea and what they're going to do with that. Yeah. Um, I also am very interested in Nathaniel being nice and whether that (laughs) sticks. I hope it does. I don't know that it will. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just really would like that to not turn into another ploy to get Rebecca Rebecca back or something like that. Just like that that conversation about, oh, I feel like it feels warm. It it feels good. Is this, you guys feel this all the time? Uh, I thought, Mm you know, they really sold that and, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens. Because they... I don't think they fully nail how creepy it is that he is now representing her clients and hedging in on her volunteering at the prison because that is yeah. stalkerish and creepy. Um, and she should know. <laughs> but um, we'll see what's coming for that. So uh, they're, they're sticking with Rebetzels way longer than I anticipated. But I would be totally fine if that just stayed for the rest of the show. I feel like it's going to stay for the rest of this show. But yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll see. Um, speaking of Rebetzels, that takes us to pretzels, which takes us to food, which takes us to Top Chef, which is back for season 16 with Top Chef Kentucky. The first episode, the premiere, uh, was centered around the Kentucky Derby. This week's episode, Bourbon Barrels and Burgoo, is centered around bourbon, Kentucky bourbon. Um, what did you think of this episode? And are you ready for Top Chef to be back? I think the wrong person already got eliminated, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I feel like that that's sort of like the discussion to have about at least about bourbon barrels and burgoo, mm-hmm. um, is the fact that the person who gets eliminated in this episode gets eliminated because of larger team issues of, we had to share the lemon. So of course I could not make the lemon, yeah, the lemon, the lemon dessert that I intended to make. Yes. The weather and the crust were beyond her control. Um, but she also did not adapt to that. But they had to share lemons, Kate. Whereas bad chicken and dumplings are just bad chicken and dumplings outside the control of everything else. Also, that guy is a dick. So <laughs> he should just go. Like, he shows up in the premiere with, I wake up every day wishing to dominate. And it's just like, no, no. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't like Southern food because I don't do simple. Oh, <laughs> cough, buddy. Fuck right off. Um, so he should have gone home, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm waiting for challenges to get interesting. I liked the idea of like creating a dish for Gail, who's super duper pregnant, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then like mailing it to her and her preparing <laughs> and then judging which one won. But I also appreciated this idea of finding out delayed immunity and so that they didn't just decide to play it safe or play it as if, you know, we're, I've, I've got immunity, so who cares type of mm-hmm. thing. It's like, oh, we don't know who ha- two of us may have, one of us may have immunity of two people. We don't know which one, so we can't afford to slack off. And this is such a good idea that I, I'm shocked that it took them 16 seasons to come up with it. 
Yeah, we'll see if it sticks. They had a very good reason to do that this week, so maybe uh-huh. they'll, you know, see how that affects, you know, the gameplay or the planning. Yeah. And and stick with it. But yeah, it was certainly interesting. I I just am waiting for them to announce their top chef line of of box dinners, you know, meal yeah. plans. Cause it's like this feels very heavy handed in, in your it branding. Does, yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what comes of that, but yeah, it was a good challenge. It was it was fun, and um, that same guy you don't like talking about how. Well, I imagine that being pregnant is like when you when I come home from a long day of cooking. It's like, no, 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 it's not. No, it's it not. is not like that. <laughs> and like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> but yeah. like, he's. I don't think he's coming from a bad place. But again, it's just like. It's not all about you and your experiences. This is something that you cannot understand, and that's okay. Um, yeah. But I, I was just watching, just waiting for Lamb Guy. It's like, how bad do you really feel? Are you going to step yeah. forward? And I be was eliminated? too. Yeah? Yeah. It, and he did not. And you're not going to do that, are you? Okay, then shut up about feeling guilty. Then nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah the... um. There's a I will I'm I can I, I can say actually by the time people hear this my review for RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars uh, premieres up at the AV Club I'm covering it for them this this season, um, and the guest judge is Jennifer Lewis and she's amazing of course and she's got a line man she's got a line in the judging that just is wonderful and it's great and it would also apply to this situation <laughs> and I won't say it because uh, Noel hasn't seen it yet and but but yeah just it's you're shut up about your feelings if you're not going to actually do anything about it. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I did. I have been enjoying last chance kitchen. Have you been watching it or no? I have. Yeah. So I like the structure of the returning chefs coming mm-hmm. back sort of thing, which is something that they've done a couple of seasons now, at least very, especially last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that um, keeps, keeps the tension up a bit for last chance kitchen which otherwise just feels a little boring Mm -hmm. so the fact that there whomever comes on is competing against three other people i think keeps things fresh and keeps things interesting uh more so than it's a one-on-one sort of competition which gets really boring really quickly yeah and it it, there are more variables and there are more uh there's more potential to not just have one person dominate the season or just to have you know a little bit uh, more variety in the types of dishes that get shown and presented. So, yes. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so far, and we'll see what happens. But I was very excited to see Carrie back. And mm-hmm. Brother's very good, so. Brother is good, but Carrie's just so much better we than would, everyone. We like <laughs> Carrie a lot here at the Televerse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will check in with us, I'm sure, the next time we have something to say. But we want to make sure we talked about it at least at the beginning of the season. Probably again at the end. Uh, speaking of the end of the seasons, I'm crushing it this week. We had the finale for Doctor Who, the Battle of Ranscore of Kolos. Um, as we head into our listening, we've been, I mean, I've certainly been very positive on Doctor Who recently and just throughout the season. Did they land their finale as well as you know we've felt like the last few episodes particularly have have been going is this a show that could contend for your top 20 oh gosh well it wasn't going to contend for my top 20 um i came up with a bunch of shows and i'm very happy with my list um (laughs) but especially after this finale which was probably one of the dullest things i watched this year (laughs) um yeah i'll feel the burn yeah yeah, I mean it's it's not bad. It's just really boring. It's and not I good, think that's, though. 
yeah, well, it's not good either, but it's 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 boring, which is for me significantly worse than something being outright bad. Mm-hmm. Um, because outright bad, I can sort of go, yeah, no, you just didn't have it together. But with this series and this cast and these writers. I can go, no, you're able to do things you just didn't this week for your finale for some reason. And I don't know why. And I'm judging you much more harshly for it um, because you clearly know what to do. And I think a lot of this boils down to the fact that maybe this fam should only do historical Earth episodes and just stop doing alien episodes and future episodes because they're less good. Um, so I think the big problem with this, at least for me, is the fact that there's very little sort of dramatic tension in this episode. Um, the, uh, return of Tim Shaw, um, or Tish, Tim Shaw? Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw. yeah. Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. Um, isn't interesting because he wasn't interesting in the premiere. And so coming back as thinking he's a god is really boring. Um, the idea that Graham is going to kill him is a non-starter from the get-go. And so there's virtually nothing driving this episode in any way, shape, or form. Um, there's decent sort of concepts that they've been playing with of like this idea of like no guns, a sort of um, passivity and believing like the, the power of the community type of thing. But they've all shown this much better in other episodes to the point where this just feels like either set up for something else next season or they just didn't have a good idea for a finale. But that was just sort of where I ended up running on this. And so but as soon as I finished it, I immediately wanted to know what you thought about it. So what did you think about this? Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, The I really like the idea for the alien race that is two beings. That lives yeah. thousands of years. I think that's really interesting. And then to to have that and have it be a culture embodied in these two beings that chooses to not go anywhere is fascinating. So, like, yeah. you just, like, sure. for thousands of years just walk over what appears to be a small planet or moon and never meet anybody else, but they have these insane cosmic powers. Like... That is really interesting to me. And what, like, what creates that? Is this, are these two indicative of the species over time? Or is it just, like, because of something that they've experienced or the intervention of Simshaw that causes this, this to happen and, and for them to center here and never travel? Like, what, what are the tenets of their beliefs beyond just, just this vague creator? Um, yeah, it's it, that there's so much of interest to to discuss with, or to to dive into with this species, this alien race that they that they introduce, and instead they do this. Um, I like the stuff with Graham more than you did. I believed that he believed what he said, even if I didn't think it would happen. I I you know I believed that he believed it, and that's what mattered the most. Um, I also thought that the I thought the performance was really strong. From that actor as well. So that's what, you mm-hmm. know, I went with Bradley Walsh on that. And so that helped a lot for my enjoyment of the episode. But, like, way to waste Mark Addy. He gets nothing to do. Um, and, like, they're just, again, Yaz gets nothing to do. You have these characters you spent all this time building and, and that we really have a sense of. And 
Ryan just gets to convince Grandma to try to convince Grandma to kill anyone, and Yaz hangs out. Like it yes. really is Yaz a shame. Hangs out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, because again, I think there is a story here. There, you know, I enjoyed the little planets. Of course, that felt like a shout out to the pirate planet, which is actually the first episode of Doctor Who or story, I should say, of Doctor Who I ever saw when I was in college in the Sci Fi Club. Shout out to any to Techfront. If anybody from U of I is listening, go check out Techfront. I assume it's still awesome. It was awesome when I was at U of I, um, but. That, and that's a classic Who uh, story where this crazy dude, uh, it's Douglas Adams, as so that gives you a sense of the tone, is like shrinking down, miniaturizing planets, and, and he's got them in this specific array and this, you know, it's a whole thing. So so that, that felt like a little more of a shout out than they t- typically have been doing this season to old classic Who ideas. Um, and I, there also was so much they could have dealt with with the morality of the doctor like how is it better to imprison someone in a pod for eternity conscious awake and undying than it would be to kill them how is that better it's like the same thing with the spiders that we had earlier this season that Uh doesn't make any sense to me and it also is not something that they're willing to actually dive into and have a conversation about that's the kind of thing that like that's why you have companions <laughs> to have those kinds of conversations and yet they don't um it's because it seems like they're afraid to actually get us like dive into what it actually would mean what it would feel like and mean so um yeah it's frustrating um yeah d- there are moments and characters and episodes for this season that are right at the top of my favorite viewing of the year, but I can't put Doctor Who in my top 20, even as much as I love this new Doctor and I really like this TARDIS team and really like the, all so many of the choices that this, this production crew has made is, is making just because like, man, I want to like this episode more. I want to like this finale more. There's going to be the New Year special. So fingers crossed on that. But then there's no new Doctor Who until 2020. So I really need that New Year's special to be good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was such a long break. I did not realize that. That's rough. Yeah, they're taking 2019 off so that they can, like, figure out what they're doing and pre-production and all of that. Which mm-hmm. I will be sad because I really like this Doctor and I want more some more stories. And I like the Chibnall approach that we're, we've been getting of uh, fewer episodes that are longer and have more space for character and mm-hmm. um, have more interest in di- like direct connections with recent past as opposed to just ancient times. Um, yes. But still some space for silliness with wigs, you know, uh, yeah. and talking frogs. Or pats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was I was sad because it was fine. You know, it was not terrible, but it, but it wasn't good, and I wanted it to be good. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but it it was not. And it was not for all the reasons you enumerated, um, especially like the morality issue. I think is a much larger one, especially given how big a deal this doctor makes of their morality and the, how they behave, and so the refusal to really engage that when you set up situations is. Frustrating, especially when, again, like you said, that they allot for the extra time and then don't really push themselves. So, yeah. Maybe, you know, they'll take all this to heart because we're sure they're listening. Obviously. And, obviously. Hey, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Good job overall, but like, you, yeah. you know you can step it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 
we're going to continue the mid-season, well, the finale. This is a mid-season finale, but the finale talk here with Black Lightning, which you haven't had a chance to see yet. But um, they had the Book of Rebellion, Chapter 2, Gift of the Magi. And this doesn't really feel like a mid-season finale the way that the other um, like superhero CW shows, Arrowverse shows have felt like mid-season finales, either like the ones before Elseworlds and Elseworlds as well. Um, this just sort of kind of stops. Uh, but I am enjoying, you know, the Book of Rebellion so far. It's my least favorite of the books, but, you know, they really let Jennifer, um, and Khalil, but especially Jennifer in this episode, uh, have agency and get out of scrapes and figure stuff out. Uh, she makes some questionable, difficult choices. Um, and we'll see what happens with, you know, how she relates to her morality and deals with some of these choices and the impact they have or could have, uh, or could have had, um, in the, the next, you know, chunk of the season when it comes back. But I, the thing I, I'm really enjoying the strain that we're putting, um, Black Lightning and Thunder under. I like that there is a villain other than Tobias Whale again. It's not, then the villain is my daughter ran away from home. <laughs> you know, like that's the villain of this part. And I think that's great. Uh, there's still a lot of Tobias in this episode and I just, I just don't care. But, um, but I, you know, having reasons for us to not be following him so directly and not be pushing that confrontation as directly, I think is smart and, you know, lets them save that for end game of the season, which is what I assume we're headed towards, but you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. The only other part I'm curious about is I'm not really digging, uh, what's going down with the mom. Like she, I'm not really buying some of the reactions and what we're seeing from her. She seems like she is, Maybe because she's not able to be an active participant in the search for Jennifer the way that Anissa and Jefferson are. She feels more unmoored and like she's having this really extreme reaction. Obviously, their daughter ran away from home. Don't get me wrong. Very stressful. But she chose to run away from home. I don't know why they think she's in danger. I, I don't think that's been established. Um, obviously, people are, are after Khalil, but she ran away with him. She wasn't kidnapped by him, and they know she's got a lot of power, and she can take care of herself. So I don't feel like they've necessarily really sold some of the emotional journeys that we're seeing for, for that character in this episode. Um, but there's... Uh, there's other interesting things that are developing. For me, the stuff with Jennifer outweighs my questions about some of the other characters. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping this will be another shorter book. Because I'm ready for, you know, I'm ready to move on to something new. But I think so far that they, they are doing a, a good job with this chapter, I guess. Um, and that's how all I can say without spoilers. So let's move on to Legends of Tum, Tum Meow Meow. <laughs> um... Constantine broke time because he didn't listen to Zari um, and no one wants to listen to Zari. Uh, so she's a cat now. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Did they live up to the excellent tease at the end of last week? Yeah, no, they totally did. Um, I think that this is just really delightful and we can discuss like the fact that 
their lack of presence in Elseworlds really sort of benefited Elseworlds, but also allowed them to do something like this and also be like, must be time for the annual crossover. Yeah, that's going to be a hard pass. <laughs> and um, the degree to which that really worked and allowed them to do something very silly, but also really good um, that paid off basically that concept of Zari complaining about being on the B team. And the realization of, no, this is why you're the B team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think there's there's just, it's really well paced in terms of the time travel shenanigans plus the uh, 1980s action syndication, 1970s action syndication riffs that they do. Uh, complete with theme song openings for no reason. Like narratively, there's not it's really. Awesome is well, why. that's the thing. That's the reason. Is like it's just fun and silly to do this. Narratively, there's no reason for it, but there is that mm-hmm. they just wanted to do it. Um, so I think that this this is just really fun and it's really silly, um, while still sort of doing a job of sort of like uh here what we here we go again did last season of no these are the consequences of your actions in this sort of a setting of it's not oh no you get to walk away when you screw up in an exorcism or some sort of demonic sort of practice and you can just flee to somewhere no you you have a ripple effect across the entire known universe you have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And for Constantine, as someone who constantly runs away from his problems, being forced to deal with the ramifications of his problems over and over and over again, I think is really good and really interesting. Um, even if Constantine isn't as centered in this episode as um, much as Charlie is for what it feels like the most of it, I still think that it gets the point across really well of like, no, John, you need to be a team player. And mm-hmm. you need to not break time anymore. <laughs> um, so I think that there's a lot of really good setup for um, uh, the back half of this season. They've only got like um, eight more episodes left, I think. I think they're mm-hmm. only doing 16. Um, so I'm excited to see what's coming next, um, especially given the little um, cliffhanger that they give with the not okay face, Kate. Not mm-hmm. okay. Not okay. Um not okay. Not a fan of Pophelia, uh, th- yeah. Yeah, exactly. For those of you with that that particular phobia, <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's a lot of really good stuff in store, and I also just like that they allowed everyone to have fun, and that the idea of Ray as this badass that shoots first and asks questions later is still just adorably difficult to buy is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to decide who was having the most fun. I think it was him. I think he yeah. was having the most fun uh, filming this. Uh, yeah, and, and the other big thing we should talk about is the centering of this episode, like you said, so much on Charlie, and having, I'm going to go with her, choose to sacrifice her ability to shapeshift because of the impact she sees that it has on the rest of the team and on so many other people, the ripple impact of that, that if yeah. she doesn't do this, they don't learn to, to not just kill magical creatures and they keep doing that. So, uh, and, and the, the amount of, it took her too long to figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. but when she did at the appropriate minute mark of the episode, um, then it was a nice little moment. And, um, yeah, 
I, th- I thought that they had just enough time for each section. I thought the the pacing and the the callbacks to different p- points in the season that they were adjusting, you know, worked really well. Bringing the fairy godmother, it's like all oh, that explains the cat <laughs> thing perfectly. That makes Her. so much sense. Her um, mixed partner was so good and pure. Yeah, it was good. It was very, it was icy moment. Yeah, that was really good. Um, and and uh, just taking the time for those action sequence credit sequences and and to to like Gary talking to Gary from the future. Watch out, there's a shapeshifter. But like, you can't feel bad. Like, you can't criticize him because that's a thing that would totally happen. Yes. in his life so i thought it was super game I, I i i really thought that it was a one of the stronger finales of mm-hmm. like mid-season finales or just like episodes in the last several weeks and certainly yeah. one that again i keep coming back to for legend of tomorrow this balance they have struck between ridiculous silliness and uh-huh. and genuine heartfelt earned emotion and they're threading that and combining that in a way like no other show, I think, really is on TV right now. So, well done, Legends of Meow Meow and Legends of Tomorrow writers, uh, because y'all are doing it right. It's, it's just, it was just so fun. I need so fun right now. So, thank you. And on that uh. note, what wins your week in TV? We got some contenders here. Yeah, no, it's Legends of. Some meow meow. <laughs> <laughs> just say it a few times, and then it'll just roll off the tongue. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, it's either Legends of Meow Meow or Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Um, so since you gave it to Legends, and I just like sang their praises, I will give a tip of the hat over to Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Extra points for difficulty <laughs> for sticking the landing in a yeah. particularly tricky routine. Um, so now we will take a break, listen to the trailer for Elseworlds, and come back with our deep dive on this year's Arrowverse crossover. We'll be right back after this. Some people, they're just born lucky. Perry, are you okay? And that twist of fate makes them better. <laughs> Mother Queen, I'm Barry. Barry, did you time travel again? No. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was talking to Barry. I am Barry. Something is wrong with reality. Everyone thinks we're each other. We shape the world as you see fit. You did this to us. You can undo it. Why would I want to? A crisis is coming. We need to start acting like each other. I meant to do that! I know where to find them. Gotham City. Who's this badass? The rain on your parade. Your team betrayed you. You needed them, and they weren't there! He's rewriting reality again. Enough! You will not do to this earth what you did to mine. I offered you godhood. What a real god can do. Elseworlds. The three-night crossover event starts Sunday, 8, 7 central on The CW. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Calls It Twitches, everybody. Noel Kirkpatrick. And as you could hear from that trailer, we are now diving in with Elseworlds, the third Arrowverse crossover. Uh, and I was just remarking as I watched this to some of my family, like, 
as someone who grew up watching cartoons and animated superhero shows and everything, how freaking cool it is that we've got enough superhero shows that they can do these kinds of crossovers. Last year's was super fun. This year's was super fun. The ones they did in the first couple seasons have been really great. Now, obviously, I also came up on Buffy and Angel, which did plenty of these, and we all know that sitcoms in the 90s love to do these. Um, but it feels a little different when it's a shared universe across multiple shows it just feels different than the there's a hurricane in florida and all the shows have are affected or by the hurricane kind of a thing like they used to do in on, on nbc in the 90s um so it, i was just reflecting on that as i watched this is that are, is it still exciting for you do you still get that like yay i get to watch a superhero crossover all my favorites are gonna hang out <laughs> the way that i do I do get the ver- I do get the very much of like yeah they're gonna hang out and also like this concept of mostly I'm here for like the character sort of hangouts more than yeah. anything, um, particularly in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's just this idea of getting to see Barry, Oliver, and Kara engage and interact with one another and sort of poke and needle one another as well um is always is the thing that i look forward to the most especially when the shows make time for it um like there really wasn't a lot of time for that in crisis on earth x but at the same time crisis on earth x just was so big and weird and just kind of bizarre um that i was okay with it but given the fact that Elseworlds is sort of a weird duck of a crossover. Um, they had all that time for a fair amount of silliness, including the Smallville theme song leading into a sweeping vista of the actual Smallville Kent farm, where is now canonical of where the Kents are on Earth 38. And so that kind of stuff. Um, or, friggin' Gary showing up as a bartender. It's just, <laughs> Those kind of things, or Oliver like puffing out his chest when he meets Superman. <laughs> um, th- the degree to which there's room for that in this particular um, crossover, I think, is really, really good. It makes up for me, anyway, for the fact that this is generally kind of dull in a lot of places um, and squishy narratively because it's, it turns out just to be a massive amount of setup for next year's. Um, and we can talk mm-hmm. about the MCU of all this um, <laughs> uh, when we start digging in a bit more. But uh, generally, how did you feel about it? Uh, it was so fun. I, and uh-huh. it did what it needed to do. I thought, it, you know, having it just basically be a, a Barry and Oliver body swap uh, mm-hmm. Quantum Leap or... or Bi- no, it's not uh, Quantum Leap because then the reflections... <laughs> they exactly. talked about that Every at length, time. which I really appreciate. Yeah, no, I, that was... Yeah, it was a good time. Um, really allowed for more character moments. And they, they, they cut down the number of crossovers of characters that were uh-huh. crossing over. And that, that let us get more time with really just the two of them um, sharing this experience and connecting and finding out, you know, what's going on in each other's lives by accident and, <laughs> and then going from there. And, and that, that was really effective. Yeah, having Kara incorporated um, basically as a reason to have her hang out. And also to bring Superman in so they could do next year's thing. Um, mm-hmm. And also so they could do a Mezo this year. Worked yep. well and was fun. Uh, it was disappointing. It was a disappointing episode of Supergirl when it was basically just 
all the other people and then Alex is there and that's enough to make it be Supergirl, which it is. Don't get me wrong. If you're going to pick one relationship to center, it's going to be the Kara and and Alex, you know, relationship, their sisterhood. But like, I mean, couldn't they have let them do like the rest of the Supergirl, Supergirl, wow, the Supergirl cast uh, do anything? Like they they show up for two seconds. Brainy gets a fun like amazo off screen fight, which I like to imagine. But yeah. the rest of them, I mean, like what the poor poor James that that was not good what they gave him. And my uh, person didn't even recognize him. I just went, but Kai Brooks looks so different with that stenciled on mustache, and she just yeah. went, that's not. Oh, oh it, is. it is. Oh, we thought this oh. was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was disappointing, but, you know, they, they had their priorities and their priorities were introducing uh, Lois, introducing Batgirl or Batwoman and Batwoman, Batwoman yeah. thank you. And, uh, and I thought that they stuck the, both of those. I thought, let's start with Lois. I was, I was expecting Bitsy Tulloch to be excellent. I thought she was such a, a, a real strong asset to Grimm right off the bat with an underwritten character. And I think that she was delightful and fit immediately swimmingly into the role. What did you think of this interpretation of Lois Lane? I really enjoyed it. Um, Again, like you said, it just immediately fits as Lois, but it also, I think that one of the other things is just like, she has sort of a Marco Kidder vibe about her as well, both like physically, but also like in a lot of the delivery, which I also really, really appreciated because I've, I generally like the Margot Kidder Lois Lane. Um, I mean, it's not as good as the Dana Delaney uh, Lois Lane, but um, it's still really good. And I think that that fits really nicely here as well. And so I really liked that. As I, re- I just, I really liked it, and it felt very of a piece. And her uh, rapport with um, Tyler um, Holchin, Holchin uh, is a. The guy who plays Hawkland, Superman. Hawkland. Yeah, who Yeah, the guy who plays Superman. Um, who's very good in both of these dual roles that he has to do in the third part, especially. Mm-hmm. Um is just immediately just like, oh no, I I I think I need like a web series of them ha- hanging out in Argo. <laughs> I need a web a web series of her just going like babe. This, yeah, babe. Babe. <laughs> babe. Yeah. It was delightful. And yeah, like you said, the kidder, kidder vibes were strong and down to even just like the hair, which yes. was, uh, you know, a very deliberate choice. But yeah. you just, when they first announced the casting, I was just like, I was first excited about age appropriate casting. Yay. And to see that follow through here. I mean, you really, you got a sense of a very lived in relationship. You, a mm-hmm. whole like life that has been lived off screen. Um, and it was, it was, you know, when they have her show up with that hammer thing, which apparently is from the comics at the end. Yeah, I was that like, I don't recognize, but it's good. This like, I totally, I believe it. I totally buy yeah. it. It doesn't make any sense. But like, she strikes me as the kind of person who would do this. So, yes. uh, this, you know, this really works. Uh, and bring in, bring in the cavalry as well. Uh, so, so I, yeah, I thought that worked really, really well. And I look forward to future appearances by both of them. It also gives and a very you- convenient reason. For Superman yeah. to not be around. <laughs> so we'll see you in nine months. Ah, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Like a year, maybe? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Unless maybe, you know, she'll, they'll have to raise the kid for a while there before, you know, they don't, I don't think you'd uh-huh. want a superpowered baby. I feel like that could be a problem. <laughs> uh-huh. Even down to the, uh-huh. like the terrible twos. Um, but, you know, 
we'll see what they do. Uh, Superman, I think, was also very well used. And again, like the way that the show nails the the personality and sense of humor and dorkiness, like you really get that sense of like Smallville about him yeah. that I I haven't really gotten. I think from any other performance of the character, maybe Ralph in in Superman Returns, but it's been a while been a long yeah. while since i saw that one um so i think they really nailed that here and you know it's just this thread of the of decency that has always been a huge part of supergirl and that performance so i thought that really worked um let's talk about kate kane what did you think i thought it was fine um i thought there was a lot of build-up like promotionally mm-hmm. for something that didn't really factor in as much as i thought it was going to um but at the same time I'm still eager to see more from Ruby Rose in that role and mm-hmm. this idea of Goth and what Gotham is within the Earth One universe. Um, I liked the costume, the wig's a little off for me. It's like uh, not red in the right way, mm-hmm. but I'm also nitpicking because it looks a little pink in that lighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like kind of fuchsia. Yeah, which is not correct for me, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's just like, but yeah, that Flash costume is so correct now. I don't want to wait five seasons for the wig to be right if you guys pick this up. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a. I hope that they're able to like shoot that in Chicago as opposed to being stranded in Vancouver, since immediately it felt different. Mm-hmm. And even though I think Arkham Asylum was back in Vancouver because it looked like that hospital set that they use for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the general sort of concept, I thought, looked really good. So I want to see more before I say anything else. But also at the same time, we probably won't see anything else until they shoot a pilot and if they release the pilot. Um, so but... I, I kind of hope there's more because I think that that could be a decent addition. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I think that my biggest takeaway from it was the fact that I just really enjoyed how indignant Oliver was about the idea that A, Batman would exist and that B, Batman copied him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So how did you feel about it? I liked it. I thought that Ruby Rose did a good job. Um, I mean, she only got so much to do, but she did well yeah. with what she was asked for. I thought she was striking um, and really nailed the aura and energy you need for that kind of a role when she like shows up at the top you know her big reveal moment as kate kane i thought yeah. that that worked really well i liked the uh the dynamic particularly with her and kara slash supergirl mm-hmm. that was super fun and just like the the aesthetics of like the office and everything it yeah. really worked and worked with her performance and mm-hmm. like this idea that even in what you know because we're always given the sense of that star city is the gotham right the idea that there is actually a no there is a gotham and it's such a mess that even oliver wouldn't bother you know says a lot (laughs) um and yeah it could be really interesting the the little fight we get with um victor freeze's Nora. Nora, Nora Freeze. Yeah, his wife right is is the character or the the yes well it's it's Mr. Freeze's wife, but also Stephen Amell's wife in real life. Yes. <laughs> it was just a convenient way to, to you know, sideline uh, Killer Frost. And yep. there was, so there was some of that that we didn't really, mm-hmm. I didn't think we needed. Um, I was very grateful that Jeremy Davies wasn't quite as t- twitchy as I was expecting. That was mm-hmm. nice. It didn't yeah. make any sense. 
like, why did he switch Oliver and Barry? Like, that's the only thing he did? That didn't make any sense. Um, no. But, you know, okay, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> uh, I thought that the escalation to making himself this totalitarian Superman at the end was very effective and did work well. Um I just don't know that they nailed the denouement as well as they could have. Um, mm -hmm. But I thought in general, the character stuff was a lot of fun and was, was what the show and the, the, this kind of a crossover should be. Yeah. And I think that's sort of key. And like, if they went into this going, okay, we're going to do crisis on infinite earths next season, then that very much means that we will not have time to do something like this at all. Cause it's going to be much closer to crisis on earth X in terms of like scale and scope, depending on what they're going to do. And so mm -hmm. there's not time to do a whole lot of riffs on quantum leap or uh, on the sort of um, the interpersonal shenanigans, basically of Barry interacting with one another. Arrows so, on back of Oliver. <laughs> that was so good. It was that was so, so good. good. It was very good. And he was so happy. Yeah. He was so happy. Um, <laughs> I think that one of the things I do have a question for you though, um, since I don't know how well executed that this particular aspect of it was, but I'm also not watching Arrow and Flash anymore. Mm -hmm. So my, my two questions for you, uh, as someone who's still consuming both of these shows is how much are you expecting Oliver to learn and grow from this in any way, shape or form? Since that's the big takeaway from this is that Oliver needs to learn to not be angry, not be arrogant and to have that clarity that he managed to get while he was running. Um, versus the fact that for some reason, everyone thinks that Barry has a really charmed life when his show does not think so anymore. <laughs> and that it's just been like two and a half seasons of slow march of sadness. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Oliver can't learn a lesson to save his marriage, apparently. Yeah. Um, because he starts the episode in trouble for keeping a secret from Felicity and ends the crossover keeping another secret from Felicity and all of us. And he can't tell Felicity because then we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever happened with the monitor, uh, we won't find out about it until next year. And that's another deep, broody, dark secret that he's keeping. So, yeah, he's never going to learn lessons, which gets very frustrating. Uh, they did a good job on Arrow so far this season of really taking their time with getting him out of jail and showing the the fallout of all of that. And that's been, like, really essential to, to, to get, letting the show grow and evolve and change somewhat to make it more interesting and really... Um, shift the dynamics in, in, you know, the interpersonal dynamics and the superhero sort of team up dynamics. But I don't trust that they're going to actually stick with anything here. And they like to set up difficult issues in these crossovers and then give them very simple resolutions. Yes. And then just pretend the difficult <laughs> setups never really happened. That's what they did in the duet with, with uh, Kara and Monel. That's what they did last year. That's what they did this year. And while, while I did like some of the, the stuff we got, I liked, you know, the tension with Iris and the tension with Felicity. I liked um, this insecurity from, from Felicity, wait, wait, Iris figured it out. Why didn't I figure it out? And then they were like, no, no, no. 
Trust, no, it's not. It's not because he. It's didn't not you. Do, it's, it's the fact that this happens all the time. We threw him in jail, and like, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's on us. That's 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 not on you. <laughs> um, uh, I thought that that all worked really well and was really human and relatable. I thought they also did a pretty good job of matching the tones of the first two shows. Not so much Supergirl because it wasn't like we said it wasn't really an episode of Supergirl. But I yeah. thought that the like just seeing Oliver in the flash and like in that world surrounded by those people was just really fun and ridiculous. And that's what they were going for. I didn't really buy Barry anywhere near as much as I bought Oliver. I thought yes. Stephen Amell really shone in this. I thought he did a terrific job of trying to, of all the comedic stuff he was given. He really nailed, I thought, and just the fish out of water uncomfortableness. I don't want, don't hug me. Yeah. <laughs> that all worked really well. I would have liked to get a similar kind of um, like parallel to to everyone being confused why why Barry is or by Oliver is so lighthearted and like not taking things seriously. I thought that would have been I don't think they really sold that in the same way. And uh, I also didn't for one second by uh, the, the I Grant Gustin's you have failed the city like. Guys, that was just that was just bad. I didn't, we were supposed to believe it, and I, I, I did not. Did you believe it? Was it just me? Am I just being harsh? I believed it slightly more than the idea that Grant Gustin would wear the Trigger Twin outfit in any universe. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That really worked for me. I liked the opportunity <laughs> to bring in Diaz for like one moment and some of these other mm-hmm. fun castings, like like with Gary. You said. Um, yeah. The best, what was the best? I didn't think maybe the best was Diaz. The worst was definitely James. Any other uh, moments or elements you'd like to highlight? <sighs> I thought of one and then it went away. Um, let's see. Um, the special effects slash prosthetics that they do for Jeremy Davies after the book is sort of like consumed his face or whatever was like legitimately unsettling i thought mm-hmm. um and i really appreciated that um let's am see am i supposed to know who he is by the way or who the guy with the gold mask is okay so uh gold mask is a guy named psycho pirates which is just a terrible name for even yeah. by comic book standards um he plays a fairly important part in the comic book version of crisis on infinite earths well he's clearly coming back yeah, no, he's obviously coming back. Um, I didn't know who he was. I had to, like, look him up. Because um, I have actually haven't read Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, so I'm only, like, semi-sort of, like... DC does so many crises on so many Earths, Kate. Mm-hmm. Just so many. So many crises on so many Earths. Um, but Psycho Pirate plays a kind of important part in how all that gets, like, laid out, basically. Um... As for Jeremy's Davies' character, I kept assuming that he was like John D in a lot of ways, uh, um, but I don't think that's what we were going for. So I don't know. Um, let's see. I don't think that there was really anything else off the top of my head. Um, the only other thing I'll say, is, I think, is that I don't think that their meta moments about oh yeah no it's an and this is getting to be 
kind of an annual thing is not as not as amusing as Legends of Tomorrow going a hard pass on the <laughs> idea of an annual crossover because it fits that show much more than it fits these other shows, even in mm-hmm. this context. Um, but generally, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good crossover that was uh lifted up by character interactions and just suffered on a plot level from, yeah, no, this is just three hours of setup for us to do the thing next year. Hmm. Well, and that takes me to, I think the last thing we should make sure we talk about a little bit here, which is what do you think of the idea of them doing this next year, doing crisis on infinite earths and include, I mean, it's going to have to be a bigger crossover than uh, earth X. And that was like, that seemed like that nearly killed them all. Yeah, I'm really surprised that they're going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths for that exact reason of, like, everyone talked about what a massive logistic undertaking and how very exhausting Crisis uh, Crisis on Earth X was. Even it, yeah. And it also really hurt the shows because they had to have reasons for certain characters to not be around so that the actor could go film something. And it, it really bogged down that portion of each of those seasons. Yeah. And so the idea that they're going to do this now, I think, is kind of weird. Um, like, my my recommendation is to shoot that thing, shoot that entire crossover first. Like, mm-hmm. that's your first, that's your beginning of the season. Yeah. And in production order, like, do what Supernatural does, and when they shoot whatever episode Jensen Eccles wants to direct, shoot that one first. <laughs> Um, and then you can go back into gear and that episode just airs later in the season. Um, I think that that's sort of like a way to deal with that from a production level. Um, the degree to which they do that is going to do that is debatable. Um, but I also narratively, I have a number of questions about what this is going to mean. I think a lot of it will hinge on whether or not Batwoman gets picked up. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also a way for them to fold in Black Lightning if they so choose, um, but it's also a way for them to, as I've sort of like contended, um, this idea that Arrow's probably done at some point. It's obviously not going to be done next year now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this year, unless, I should say. Unless yeah. it, this ends with Oliver dying. Right, exactly. And this idea that I've like, Kate is not you, Kate, but Kate Kane, mm-hmm. um, is a good person to sort of, fill that leadership void basically that oliver Mm -hmm. will will leave and so this provides them ways to do that um but then there's also just the whole well we can also just trim our casts a whole bunch or do a big narrative reset on any of our shows as well Mm -hmm. um which I mean, there's interesting concepts here, but I'm also not sure how many people will buy into as well. Like this idea, the idea that they could reboot like The Flash. Um, I don't know that people would be there for that. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, like, I don't don't doubt the fan bases for these characters. Yeah. So people, they'll get a sizable audience for anything that they decide to do with these shows. But yeah, yeah we'll see. And the idea of filming it, first before they feel like all getting all the productions since they are all under the same header right to to yeah. <laughs> to film this stuff first and then you know go and start the rest of the seasons i think would work much better well clearly this is thing that's a multi-year process for them yeah. uh, and so that i would assume will mean that they will have learned from crisis on earth earth x and um 
take precautions. But yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. I am not familiar with the comic storyline. I just have heard of it before. Um, I'm not particularly interested in the monitor or in these other, you know, threads. The trouble I have with these kinds of um, apocalyptic portents is that we all know the shows aren't going away because they make money. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> hard to buy into the stakes. Um, yeah. So we'll see what they do, but I certainly, yeah. based on how well they have nailed the, you know, all of these crossovers and, and just how fun they are, how much they capture the yeah. whimsy and, and enthusiasm and joy of, you know, of fans watching characters interact. The reason we like crossover movies and and comics and TV shows, um, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. I certainly will watch, but uh, yeah, I, I would like to actually. Gets, I would be more interested in, in doing a bunch of small scale, like, again, like they used to do on Buffy and Angel, where, like, Spike shows up for an episode, or Oz shows yeah. up for an episode, or that kind of, like, I think that's more interesting. Um, but, of course, that is hard to do when you've got Earth-38, and you've got whatever Earth Black Lightning is on, and you have, uh, you know, such life and death stakes all the time that there's, like, leaving... Like, going away to visit is actually a significant thing, because the world might explode while you're gone. Um, that makes it hard to do, I guess. But that's the kind of thing, like you, like we've been saying this whole time, that, that kind of character one-on-one -on -one fun is was what we're tuning in for. So uh, hopefully they will make sure that they're keeping that high on the priority list. Yeah, I guess, like, my only other wish list for this Crisis on Infinite Earths is, A, more time with Earth-90. Um mm -hmm. Barry Allen. Because yeah, I've decided was... he's not dead. He's just poofed back to Earth-90. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. But also, when he comes back, he comes back with Green Lantern John Diggle. Yeah. And that would be the best. <laughs> I'm very excited I don't care that. if they don't have the budget for it. If he just shows up in the costume, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was probably the the most fun little easter egg there mm -hmm. other than save me and again yeah. you, you already mentioned this but i didn't even like smallville but i yeah. still was like oh this is so cool when they did that yeah. so thank you. and just the sweet push it was so good it was so good <laughs> uh well listeners let us know what you thought of the elseworlds crossover and what your hopes and fears are for <laughs> crisis on infinite infinite earths next year when kate kane and lois lane and all of that um but for now let's go to a few show notes and wrap up the episode you can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's tv you can email us the televerse at gmail.com you can like our page on facebook and start up a conversation there you can also um find us in itunes with an m4a chaptered feed and an mp3 unchaptered feed as well as on stitcher we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place and of course you can find us on twitter i'm at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk thank you noel thank you kate for a really good year yay and thank you all for listening we'll be back next week with our top 20 tv series of the year and as our next episode of the televerse mm -hmm.